Greetings, beautiful and divine men and women of planet Earth. What a privilege and honor to be with each and every one of you. I am sending all of my love, well wishes, good vibes, and positive intents your way to you, your family, and all your friends. We've got a fantastic episode of the show for you today. We have whistleblower Zach Voorhees on. He is the author of Google Leaks Censorship Exposed. Um, it's a great episode, obviously, because I'm getting censored. Uh, insanely, a recent uh, another dose of censorship um, has been coming my way, so... Uh, he breaks down actually how Google did this and leaked the document, uh, the documents for how they um, did the censorship and how absolutely intense it is. So he talked about uh, working uh, at Google, your EAT score, the solution to set. To, uh, to censorship, um, why those who tell the stories run society, uh, why the courts have been infiltrated, click farms, China censorship, the century of self, uh, the First Amendment being the first for a reason, uh, how powerful controlling the narrative is, alternative uh, engines, and um, you know the machine learning fairness AI that they implemented, and so much more. So this is a really important episode. Anybody out there who doesn't think this is going on, send them this episode. Check out the book because he actually leaks the algorithms and the data and it, it's you know it just is what it is it's it's going on right now and it's very very intense so please share this episode far and wide directly on every social media you can you can do in text directly from libsyn or spotify or uh, mattbelair.com because i've had people even tell me now that they can't even click the episodes that are in itunes so i don't know if that's going on for you but there are alternative uh, websites so i'm on rockfin.com i'm on odyssey you can find all my links over at mattbelair.com and uh, Spotify and things like that. But some of them aren't working, but, uh, you know, we are out there. So do what you can to get the word out. Um, I want to thank my sponsor, Pure Body Extra. They're awesome. They're a heavy metal detox. And if you know anything about heavy metals and what's going on in our food and our water and even the skies with the chemtrails, uh, having a heavy metal protocol is something that is very, very handy. And if you want to try them out, you can go to the thegoodinside.com forward slash Matt B, M-A-T-T-B and you get a bottle of their amazing heavy metal detox for just 13 bucks it's 50 dollars off so check them out and i appreciate having them as a sponsor and for those of you guys who really want to dive deep and you want to really get clear on who you are live your life purpose learn tools for peak performance um create a stronger connection with the creator uh increase your spiritual connection learn tools for just mastering your life but also navigating these times and doing it in a powerful supportive community um feel free to join my atomic alchemy coaching group as my guest or check out the soul compass course in the quantum heart hypnosis everything over on the website that i've created is to help you know who you are at your core and then engage in peak performance consciousness and mindset techniques to develop your connection with yourself and the creator and to manifest a reality of your dreams that is truly aligned to who you are and doing it in a powerful community is the best way to do it i think so if any of that is interesting to you and you want some support just reach out to me go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or send me an email matt at zenathlete.com and, and tell me about yourself because i will absolutely give you some incredible effective tools for you to um you know explore living your life purpose and just empowering yourself to create your reality on purpose rather than by default and getting yourself out of fear and out of blocks and out of those uh, mental limitations because there's great strategies for that as well so that's it um the most important thing you can do is to do three kind acts wherever you are today um 
If you were a patron, please go to mattbelair.com and become a member because they have deleted my Patreon and they're, uh, you know, coercing me where if I comply and delete episodes, I can have it back, but I'm not going to do that. So if you want to support, please go to mattbelair.com and uh, become a member. So that's it. Let's get into today's episode. But before we do, let's come into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, courage, empowerment, and get ready to enjoy this epic episode with Zach Voorhees. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are overcoming extreme censorship. If you want to support this show, please share episodes far and wide, leave a review, become a member at mattbelair.com, and most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest was a senior software engineer at YouTube slash Google for 8.5 years. He, was, he has been involved with the following software products, Google Earth, YouTube, for PS4, Xbox, and Nintendo Switch. While working at YouTube, he learned that Google was censoring quote-unquote fake news and investigated further into the company, only to find out not only had Google defined fake news to mean actual events that had happened, but also had created an artificial intelligence system to classify all available data on Google search. The reason Google wanted to classify data was so he could data was that so this could be used by their artificial intelligence system to re-rank the entire internet according to google's corporate cultural values in june 2019 he resigned from google he took with him 950 plus pages of google's internal documents and delivered them to the department of justice and through project veritas to inform the public and google's ex of google's extensive censorship system he is the author of google leaks a whistleblower's expose of big tech censorship. Welcome to the show, Zach Voorhees. Thank you, Matt. It's good to be on here. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. That was the toughest intro read I think I've ever had uh, in a long time, man, the, the tech speak. But, you know, I'm so happy you're coming on the show because this is such an important thing. It's been going on for years, maybe longer. It's really ramped up um, over the last year. Some people don't even know that this is going on, but you're the person who knows how extensive it is and how it works and all the behind the scenes, um, you know, information that people need to know because they are crafting a narrative, you know, and they're manufacturing truth. And I recently just did a video um, talking about how Google has become the ministry of truth from 1984. And it could possibly very well be the most powerful weapon that humanity or any group or organization or country has ever had. Because I think there's an old quote from Socrates or Aristotle that says something along the lines that he who controls the narrative controls the people and things like that. And, and, and people who've studied psychological operations know this power as well, especially when you're distorting and skewing the truth. So um, there's lots to talk about here. I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today and what made you kind of come forward to share this information, because that's a very uncomfortable place to be. And it takes a lot of uh, courage. So I appreciate you for doing that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I got my dream job at Google um, in 2008, and I was so happy because it was, you know, the top of the top. And 
I ended up, you know, ascending through the ranks, eventually getting senior software engineer for the Google Earth project, left to create my own company. And then I came back to Google three years later in 2016. And when I came back into the company, I was like, oh, this is still the same old company that I left, which was, you know, one that fought for libertarian values and for you to express yourself through the internet. That's what they were about in 2008. That seemed like what they were about in 2016. But then after the election of Donald Trump, that's when the entire company went bonkers and decided that they were going to start filtering the news. And that's what they did. They started filtering the news uh, in the 2016 election. Um, They used a system called machine learning fairness in order to do that, which they ingested from none other than Stanford University, developed this program for censorship, was ingested into Google in 2016. And then me as an employee working there, I started to see this machine learning fairness being turned on. And, um, and I was like, you know, why is Google search getting so bad was, you know, one of the things that I noticed and questioned myself. And, um, and part of the reason why Google search has been getting so bad is because of the fact that um, I think that the internet they believe that to the elites was possibly a mistake. And right now they're trying to put the genie back in the bottle, or maybe this was Google's plan all along to turn evil. And that's the reason why they did all the things like say, uh, don't be evil and organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. But in 2016, after Donald Trump unexpectedly won the election, uh, Google had an all hands meeting. Um, a week after that election. And during that all hands meeting, they were talking about how they wanted to put the lid back on populism, um, how uh, they hope that populism will just be a blip on the screen in that long arc of history. And what was really interesting, what most people missed that were following this video was a question by the audience, which was asking about what, Google thought was the most effective thing they had done during the election. And this question was leveraged at Sundar Pichai, the CEO, and he responded that it was their use of suppressing fake news through machine learning, which was Google's most effective thing they had done during the election. And I went, wait a minute, since when have we been filtering fake news? And in fact, who even defines fake news, right? So I started to dig in to Google's documents, because Google, as you may or may not know, was built as a transparent company because, hey, if we're not going to be doing anything evil, then we can just gain all the organizational advantages of being able to just look at what our neighbor is doing, right? Like all the data from everyone was kind of semi-open within the company. And so as a regular full-time employee, I was just like, well, I'm going to see what the, um, what the fake news team is up to. And what I found was that the fake news team was classifying partisan 
news topics as fake news. In fact, out of the five examples that Google had, four of them had to do with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton running weapons to Benghazi, they said, was fake news or that an FBI agent around Clinton died, that that was fake news. And I looked at this and I said, well, you know, is this fake news or is this not? Now, it turned out that the um, that the articles themselves were fake news, but they were so close to what had actually happened that I was just like, man, it could be that the real news is collateral damage if Google takes down this fake, this so-called fake news. And so I started to dig in more and saying, well, okay, well, if there's this thing that's going to define fake news under some abstract category, then what is the software system that is going to do that censorship? And when I started to, and I first I thought it was like Dragonfly. I was like, ooh, what's this spooky insect like censorship engine that's going to like get us, right? So I was like typing it in, but I, I just couldn't find anything about Project Dragonfly within the company. Um, and so, sorry, something was coming up on Skype. I almost lost my train of thought. Um, and so this fake news system. Um, which Project Dragonfly was not. I looked in and when I actually saw the name, I realized immediately that this was the system that was the fake news suppression. And it was called Machine Learning Fairness. And Machine Learning Fairness is the way that Google is going to make the internet less racist, less biased, um, and form it to their corporate culture. And... The way that machine learning fairness works, well, here's, here's some of the weird stuff, okay? Let's just get right to it. One of the questions by one of the employees in a FAQ in one of their design documents was like, hey, can objective reality be considered algorithmically unfair? And Google's response to that was, actually, it can be. And the, the example that they gave was, let's say that you are a user and you're searching on Google image search for CEO. And if the majority of the pictures that come back are of men, and even if that reflects objective reality, that can still be considered algorithmically unfair and justify correction via product intervention. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, well, Jesus, that's they're classifying objective reality as algorithmically unfair. So what is algorithmically fair then? And of course, it's their subjective reality. That's what they hinted to in their documents. That's what I released um, on my website, ZachVorhees.com. And in my book, googleleaksbook.com, uh, you can check that out. But yes, they were classifying objective reality as algorithmically unfair and justifying correction via product intervention. And so what exactly is machine learning fairness? Well, you have to know that there is like, let's say there's like, imagine that there's a circle representing all of AI. And then within that large circle, there's a smaller circle. That smaller circle would be a subcategory of machine learning. And the way that machine learning works is that you can imagine 
that they sort of replicated how individual neurons in the brain works. Like it gets a signal and then it's got some weights assigned to the inputs. And then on a certain combination of patterns, it will fire off a signal and propagate to the next layer. That's what artificial neural networks do to compute. Machine learning is the embodiment of that artificial neural network. I mean, obviously it's more computerized and this is you know, a crude example, and it, but that's essentially what it does. And the interesting thing about it is that it's self-teaching. All you have to do is give it a pile of labeled input test data, and then it will figure out the patterns of what led to a certain decision. So for example, let's say that the employees at Google generate a stack of 10,000 articles that are labeled as fake news and another half that are labeled as not fake news. They put this through a machine learning algorithm. It's going to create a classifier. This classifier is then going to be able to be run on new inputs and then classify those as fake news or not fake news. So machine learning fairness is a system for creating these classifiers that are based on social justice warrior sort of like um, mentality, uh, for lack of a better word. And so this machine learning fairness is being used to, you know, re-rank the pages. And it's doing that through a system called BitTwiddler. And the question is, well, how do they re-rank this stuff? Well, they have to have like a score, right? Well, how, what's the score? Well, Google's told us what the score is. It's called our PageRank score. And they've got a criteria that they use for human raters. And what I believe has happened is that machine learning fairness is the way that this PageRank score is distributed for every single person, topic, and website. This is what Google's actually done. They've created a secret page rank score that they've come up with that they've assigned to every single one. And let me tell you, I worked with some congressional leaders who were trying to get their um, page rank score. It was Ted Cruz. Google wouldn't give it to them. Google would not give out Ted Cruz his secret page rank score that they've assigned to him. And that's something that we should all know. And if they're not even going to give Ted Cruz his page rank score, what are the chances that they're going to give you your secret page rank score for your website or topic or person? Zero. So they've got this page rank score and they've been doing it by uh, well, in the past, human raters, they've got like a, a set of tables and some marks from zero from one to five on how something uh, satisfies a criteria, um, specifically satisfying three different criteria. That is the expertise, the authoritativeness, and the trustworthy score. It's called an EAT score. So expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. and if your page ranks low in expertise, authoritativeness, or trustworthiness, your page rank score goes down. Now, how does Google it, uh, compile this authoritativeness, trustworthiness, um, and expertise? Well, they see what the mainstream media has to say. And they see what Wikipedia has to say about the person, topic, or website. <laughs> 
And if the mainstream media doesn't like you, and if the trolls on Wikipedia don't like you, your page rank score is going down and your rankings on the Google search index are also going to collapse. This is what machine learning fairness does. It automates this process of creating a page rank score so that the puppet masters behind the curtain can twiddle some dials and be able to censor what they want at will at the hit of a button, right? Because right now, these cycles of misinformation are going so much faster that you can't even cite authoritative sources like the WHO from a year ago or even three months ago. What I mean, think about what they were saying about the vaccines, you know, about how we were going to get back to life if we just had these vaccines. And then the vaccines started rolling out. They're like, oh, there's like a super rare case of breakthrough. And now they're like, oh, the vaccine's only 60% or 40% effective, or whatever it is, the number that they're making up right now is. Right. And so the thing is, is that a search engine like Google, in order to control the narrative, can't just rely on authoritative sources. They have to rely on authoritative sources from a month ago. Because if it's older than that, uh, that may not be true anymore, even though it was true then. And this is to the this is where we are right now. And so this is the reason why I think that Google wanted to do artificial intelligence for their ranking, is because like as things have been falling apart, deteriorating in the United States, I think that essentially programming people, you know, is, is takes a lot of time. There's a lot of communication. They got to be paid and they got to I mean, get rid of all that. Let's just put a computer on there. And then when we, when we decide that, oh, that's no longer true anymore, then they can just hit a button and the thing will re-rank the entire internet on a whim in milliseconds so that you no longer see that offending piece of information. And what do we see now when we search for Google? You know, just type in, just type in ivermectin for Google. Ivermectin, one dose, and it wipes out most of the virus in your blood, right? But if you're someone looking for information and your default search engine is google.com, you go into that. Every single article is going to be about how you should not take ivermectin, how it's dangerous, even though it was listed as one of the safest and most life-saving drugs by the WHO. But hey, that was years ago. So that's not even going to get ranked up high at all or people talking about that because they're not WebMD. And so, yeah, this this is the future that we're living in now, this dystopian thing where, um, you know, these big tech companies uh, filter, suppress. I mean, the Biden administration now is talking about um, fact-checking your SMS messages for COVID vaccine misinformation. This is the stage we're at right now. And what's really, (laughs) and what's amazing is that all this thing, like, oh, they're going to start censoring everyone. Like that was so controversial in 2019, the media got out there. Oh, he's a white supremacist. He's doing right wing talking points. He's out of his mind. He's crazy. Now look where we're at. My stuff that Google is censoring you isn't even controversial anymore. That's where we're at.
and people are sitting there going, what is the solution for censorship? And you know what? I started to ask myself that very same question in January of 2021. And I've come up with an answer for the censorship. I'd like to, to share it with you, Matt. The solution to censorship is three simple words. Aggregation cancels censorship. Like, what is censorship, all right? Like, in 2020, everyone was on YouTube. And then the election happened. And Google did their digital ethnic cleansing, because that's what it was, all right? It just didn't happen in the real world. It happened in the metaverse of cyberspace. So people don't think of it as an ethnic cleansing, but that's what happened on October 15th. You know it, your friends know it. Anyone that has influence saw how the walls closed in and they were kicked off site after site after site. And the reason why the oligarchs are doing this, in my opinion, is because they want us fragmented. They want us ghettoized. They want to put half of America in a penalty box so that their message doesn't get out, that they don't have the freedom of reach. Um, and so, and they can't even have the freedom of speech, much less the freedom of reach, right? People like yourself are getting their channels closed, kicked off. What they want us to do is they want us to go away and stay on other platforms so that they can fragment the ecosystem. And look how hard it is to find content creators now. My God, you've got to play the social media shuffle, right? Like you bust out your phone and then you're going to like BitChute and you're going to Rumble, but like, what's that channel name, right? You type it in, but oh, wait, but it had a, a Y where I thought that it was like another vowel. And so, you know, you're, you're trying to find all these channels and you're playing the social media shuffle and it takes so long. To do that. Well, guess what? All of these video sites out there, Rumble, BitChute, Brighteon, Spreaker, Odyssey, and yes, YouTube right now, they all have open data feeds. What would happen if an engineer came through, collected all of those open data feeds, tracked down all the top commentators in right-wing news, and then merge that into an auto-updating, continuously updating video site that was essentially an intelligence dashboard on what everyone in the conservative, or it's not even conservative, it's an anti-globalist, right? Commentary. You took all those people, you put them all on a single website that updates automatically. What do you have? You have the cancellation of censorship. And in the last chapter of my book here, I talk about how aggregation can cancel censorship. Aggregation, which means to bring things together, right? Because censorship fragments. And it fragmented us because we thought that the site that hosted the video is the same site that should be our recommendation engine. And actually, it works out really well, except when the oligarchs start applying censorship. 
Okay. Fragmentation is the censorship aggregation. The act of bringing us together, cancel censorship. And, um, and it's the last chapter of my book because it's the most important. And it's also completes the circle uh, where I start off in San Francisco. I have this wild and crazy adventure, you know, out in Google. And then I come back into the exact same place where I started sitting, you know, in San Francisco, writing a video platform that allows you to connect to the content creators that you love. And that's something that I'm going to release in about a month here uh, after the sales of this book die down and I end this, this book tour. But right now I'm telling everyone, hey, look, there is going to be a solution to all this bad censorship. It's going to come out. People are going to copy me and I'm okay with that because I'm here to restore the first amendment for you, the American people. And I don't, it's not about, it's not even about profit. It's about restoring the first amendment, the public square, because they who tell the stories run society. And I think that it is that society is in no better hands than we, the American people. And that's the reason why we have to have our own echo chamber. We have to be able to freely access and associate with the people that we want to in order to get the ideas, in order to make sense of the world. Because look, man, the MSM is not doing a good job out there. All right. They are lying. They are basically 24-7 prostitutes for the pharmaceutical cartel right now. I can't even walk down the street without seeing propaganda like for vaccines everywhere. I can't turn on the TV. I can't turn on the radio. I can't walk down the street without seeing some sign about, you know, signing up to get a vaccine. Like I don't want a vaccine. Um, I've had a bad, very bad experience with vaccines. I don't want a secret. And you know what? I would actually be maybe possibly okay with the vaccine if they were open about their vaccine. If they're like, here's all the ingredients in it. We promise not to change the ingredients. They're all open. But no, it's all proprietary. We don't know what's in it. Magnets are sticking to people's arms. And then the media is like gaslighting us the entire time. Like, oh, they're idiots. Look at this. Oh, we're going to do like pictures where people have like five spoons on their faces. Right. And now today, there's this article coming out from Japan that says that they are suspending the Moderna vaccines because of some unknown magnetically attractive substance that's been found in the vaccine. Right? I'm sorry, mainstream media. You got it wrong. You got it wrong about the vaccines, just like you got it wrong about the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And we don't trust you anymore. So we're getting information from ourselves from we the people because we the people doesn't want to lie to us. They don't want to lie. Like, I don't want to lie to you. I want to tell you the truth. I've got my reputation to protect. These unaccountable people in the MSM citadels like ABC, CNN, CBS, they don't face any repercussions. Have they faced any repercussions from lying us to get into war in Iraq and Afghanistan? Nothing. There's no trial. There's no arrests. Right. It's them and it's it's us. And the thing is, is that we're going to use our First Amendment right to be able to say the truth, to tell the story the way that we see it to each other. And, you know, um, and if they're going to make that illegal, then let them make that illegal. 
as far as I know, we still live in the United States and its constitution, which says that my freedom of speech will not be infringed by any you know, petty tyrant that finds himself in control of the legal system, right? Like their legal authority does not usurp the constitution and anything in contradiction to that is repugnant to it. And so people have been thinking that they're going to have a win in the court and the court's going to restore their rights. Hey, I got news for you. The courts have been infiltrated just like the regulatory commissions. Okay. You know who runs the court systems right now? The bar. You know who the bar is? Do we have the bar? When did the bar come in? Right. Was the bar always here? No, the bar was not always here. The bar is a British legal system that has infiltrated and taken control of the court systems. And they say who can be an attorney and who cannot be an attorney. And if you do the wrong thing or you say the wrong thing in court, you can be disbarred. There goes your $400,000 a year job and down the toilet. Good luck paying all of your student loan bills to pay that back. So people that think that they can just walk in with a lawyer and sue these people for infringements to the rights. Hey, I've got other news for you. The whole thing's rigged. The only thing we got that's effective is in cyberspace. Cyberspace is the real domain of power. That's the reason why they're banning you from it. So this is a call out. This is a call out to techno nerds out there. You have so much power in your hands. You don't even know. You don't even know. In my age, we had people like was Sean Fanning of Napster. He revolutionized the entire MP3 industry. One person revolutionized the MP3 entire movement. Okay. And he, and he was a nerd. You nerds out there. All right. I'm going to show you how to fix this censorship problem. And I want you to look at that and realize and awaken your own power inside of you because this isn't a hard problem to solve. This whole sense, like you don't need blockchain. You don't need like all this like crazy stuff, right? You don't need encryption. Like it's open data. We figured it out 20 years ago. Like, let's just implement it. Let's just get to work. And that's what I've done. And that's what I'm going to release with my new project that's going to come out in about a month. Holy smokes, man. That was amazing. <laughs> you made so many uh, important points. I want to touch on a few. The one is, you know, the First Amendment, when they started taking away from me and many other people, it made me realize the First Amendment is the first for a reason. We should have open debate. We should have open discourse. We should hear both sides of the story so then we can make our own conclusion because every person is not going to agree with every other person. But the only time in history when when one side is suppressing another side and saying you can't say it, you're in yeah. communism, you're in a tyrannical government. And I lived in China for a little while when I was training with uh, some Shaolin Kung Fu masters, which was neat. But I remember getting there and they're like, yeah, we don't have YouTube or Facebook. And I was like, what? I was like, really? So I had to go on this like backdoor internet thing and get my YouTube and Facebook. But they also told me that if you were caught, it was punishable um, and you could even serve jail time. Not that 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 was insane. And so, you know, that country's um, political system or way of living is something I don't want to model in Canada, but we're moving very quickly over here. Mm -hmm. And you've got things like click farms and, you know, you're talking about 
information and the truth being suppressed. It's almost inverting reality. You know, the disinformation doesn't, I interviewed a, a few of those people and, uh, and not all of them. And I'm in private groups with some of them. They're actually the, the information doesn't, you know, the only people who have been accurate this whole time telling you the truth and what they say ends up happening. Right. And, and so the mainstream media, which has been bought and paid for, I think all mainstream media in the United States is owned by six organizations. So yeah. then you have an aggregation of power, not in the people, but so how do we distribute this power? And I love what you said, because it, it's a simple solution. And it's interesting because they're doing everything they can to hold on. I can't, what was the alternative to Twitter there for a bit? And then they, then Amazon Gab. just, what was it? Gab? Gab. Mm-hmm. Well, there was, there was a Twitter one with the parlor. And then they, Yes, parlor. And then they just shut the whole thing down. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so ludicrous. But the good news is that people like you and everybody hearing this, if the problem isn't that hard to solve, we just need people to work together and you and you stop consenting to that system and then you build the solution. Yes. And so as hard as they can try to suppress the truth, the truth will always have its day. And I like uh, Dr. David Martin's, you know, talks on this as well, right? He's like, they might have their day, but the truth will always come out at some point. But will you have been deceived in the process? And did you have the strength and character to, you know, not bend to the public will or the propaganda? Because back in the day, you know, they had TV and newspapers to do it and the radio. That was about it. Now the censorship and the way they can architect and change society through social media platforms and uh, YouTube and all the other and Facebook and all the other algorithms and tell you what the truth is with advanced artificial intelligence. It's a pretty scary thing. And so it needs to be corrected and we're kind of seeing what can happen now, how dangerous it actually is. So um, that's my first rant. Do you want to just add on to that and keep going? Or do you want me to fire some questions at you? Because you, you shared a lot there. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much on the same page as you, you know, it's, 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 they've just done such a disservice that, I mean, it's like the whole reason why the MP3 community popped up was because um, the um, internet came and the music industry didn't want to adapt. And they're like, we don't want to, we don't want to offer any sort of ability to get music on into your pocket. Like, you know, and that was the thing. And so everyone was just like, okay. And then they just started distributing music on their own. And now that there's Spotify and Pandora, like, Pandora pretty much ended, I feel, the music sharing age. Like that was the beginning of the end of the MP3 age of the internet. Uh, and a lot of people still, do you still have your MP3s? No. No. Yeah. I lost mine too. Worst thing ever. I, I thought, oh, we could get them back. And I'm like, no, they're never coming back. That age was over. Right. Um, but the reason why that whole MP3 page age was possible was because they were suppressing the technology for music distribution so much. They had a revenue model. It was CDs and records and cassettes, and they didn't want to move into some sort of thing where you could like have a digital copy of your content with you in your pocket. And because of that, people just, you know, they just did whatever. And, um, and that's what's happening now with information because the market is there for good information and it's being not satisfied because of all the disinfo. Um, then, you know, uh, people are just going to go to the conspiracy forums and say, hey, we're just going to do it ourselves. We're going to create our own network of news and we're going to start talking. And that has actually become more powerful than CNN, right? Like, look at all the Tim Pools in the world and all these people that just go and they start becoming like commentators on the news and they just go like they just skyrocket in popularity. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with, it's interesting because you see some channels that really explode and then other channels that get incredibly suppressed. But the good news is more and more people are thinking independently and becoming their own publishers of content. Because when you, when you look at mainstream news in Canada, anyways, it's, we've got, I think one company owns 90% of our news, CTV, global, all the Canadian newspapers, right down to the, you know, municipal smaller newspapers It's one, I think it's called post media and in the States, it's only a few as well. And so when you're talking about Google, these algorithms, they always make it sound like something nice. What was, what was the word? I, I wrote it down. What did, what do they call machine fairness? Yeah. Right? They always give it some nice name for a terrible thing. You know, it's yeah. like, no, like the green new deal is like, no, actually look into it's probably terrible. Um, so they like to do that. And so if Canada is run by one company, they're only pushing the same nonsense. So who is architecting that narrative? And it's never being questioned, right? I just did a law summit and you spoke about the bar and they all talked about the bar system being incredibly evil. And one of the things that I learned was, you know, they won't answer questions, right? If they don't want to you know, implicate themselves, they won't answer questions. And you look at any political um, scenario, any newscast or any, anything that they're trying to say, oh, this is the truth. They're never being challenged in any way with any good question. And in our political sphere, anyway, they just ramble and never answer a yes or no basic question. Mm -hmm. And it's incredibly frustrating. So, you know, for sure that they're lying to you. It's they're a hundred percent lying to you. So we now have the opportunity for people to question, to open debate, to find these alternative sources. And when people see the truth versus nonsense, like in a public debate, the truth just rises up. It resonates. Yeah. And that's why they're destroying it because they don't want to put it side by side because they're trying mm -hmm. to manipulate you that they're either bought and paid for or have some sort of agenda that you're not a part of. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. You know, they're just trying to push this out because, you know, it's almost like, um, insulin and, or insulin and propaganda are actually kind of similar, right? Like if you're a diabetic, then you need more insulin. And if you're resistant to, uh, the propaganda, then you need more propaganda. And that's what they're pushing is that they're like, oh, he's becoming resistant to insulin, pump him more of insulin. And it's like, oh, the population is becoming more resistant to propaganda, better pump them more with propaganda, you know, overcome that resistance. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the good thing that I have been noticing on YouTube anyways, cause they always give me, you know, they do predictive programming and I highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen the documentary, which is still on YouTube called century of self talks about the origins of oh, it's so good, right? It's so amazing. And it lays it all out and they've been mastering this stuff. Now they have much better tools to enforce it on people. And we're not even getting into the education system. You know, I've talked to my cousin who's now a teenager and the beliefs that she has, some of them are quite bonkers and there's clips of what they're trying to teach kids in school. And, you know, you go, if you want to control a people, well, you, you can control the children, right? That's what they did to the native Americans in Canada and America, right? You can shape society right from the children and they have all these incredibly powerful tools, but they were working on this stuff in the 1900s and they've been refining it. I can't remember exactly what the study was, but one of the ideas when they were working on psychological, psychological operations was they would bombard people with fear for three months. And basically mm -hmm. what would happen would be a amygdala hijack where you, you'd hear coronavirus is the deadliest thing ever. This uh, 
500 million people could die. Everybody could die. Everyone you know could die a horrible death, whatever. Three months of bombarding them with fear. Then all of a sudden, they can't receive new information because they've just associated that with fear. So any information that says this isn't that scary, it's going to be okay. They literally cannot accept it. And they test all of these different things. But the nice thing is that even with all of this, they're using these psychological systems in a predatory and demeaning way. So when, once you take them away and we start building kids in a powerful way, we're going to be able to find solutions really quick. We're going to be able to turn this around really quick. And then we first do it with the example, right? Then you start to kind of take out all these nodes of conditioning. Um, and then you start to input the truth. They're going to be able to correct really quick. But right now I feel like we're almost at the worst of it. Maybe this year, next year before people really catch on because in YouTube, when I see all these nonsense propaganda come up, it's like 5,000 downvotes. I don't know why they take them off for a couple hundred upvotes. And I heard YouTube is deleting the downvotes and doing all these different things going on, but people are catching on, right? You look at it and, and people are not down with this, but uh, we're still definitely right in the heart of the battle. Yes, we are. Yeah. And um, it's a battle we have to win, you know, because uh, the future's at stake. Like, we, how could we run a election that's legitimate if we don't even have the freedom of being able to propagate our message, but that mainstream media does. I mean, that's an existential, like that's going back. I mean, it's actually kind of funny because that's the way it used to be, right? Like, I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be bad. We're going to be silenced. We're not going to have a voice. And then I remember back in the 1980s, it's like, no one had the internet. No one was able to leave a tweet comment on what the you know news reporter had to say. They just spoon fed it all to us. And we we're like, what are we supposed to do? Right. Like that's how we used to be uh, back in the eighties and nineties. And now, and now it just turned out that um, once we started building all these social media sites, we started to sort of create a real collective consciousness. Like what's out there on Twitter with all the people interacting, like that's a collective consciousness and it's mediated through technology. So in a way, you know, we're seeing the birth of AI right now are these hyper minds and the first thing that we did when we created this hypermind was like, God, why is the media lying so much? And so the funny thing is that when AI is birthed, the first thing it may do is tell all the people that, hey, this doesn't make any sense. Um, and this is uh, obviously fake. And, um, and, it's, and then all of a sudden people are like, oh, no, he's interrupting history because history is just written by the victors. And now you've got this like, ob- like purely logical, objective you know, entity that's going to sit there and say, well, that's obviously not the way that it's happened. <laughs> obviously Einstein's theory of the universe doesn't make any sense, you know, and like rewrites all our, all our stuff. And think about if you're in control of that system and you own that system and you create an AI intelligence, this is, Oh, it's all built on a house of cards, right? What would that do to society? Right. We're like, Oh yeah, totally. They've been hiding uh, fusion energy advances for the last 40 years, right? It's in space. They have a secret space program, by the way, right? Like, like the amount of like, like this, this pretty picture that they've painted for us could come down really quickly. And we can actually see that we're not living in a democracy. We're, we're working in, we're living in a, um, a very terrible empire with a very, a nice painting in front of it, and that uh, we're all part. Of, we're all citizens of this evil empire, <laughs> and and uh, nothing that they say is based upon truth. It's all based upon extending their power, 
And that, that's the thing is, is I continuously go down these rabbit holes, like with, um, with, with like global warming. And I start looking at what the people that are have dissent have to say, and I'm just like, Oh man, look, here's a censored scientist that's written 157 pages about this global warming. And she thinks the whole thing's a hoax. And wow, she's making really great points. And she says that it's actually the sign like fluctuating just like a little bit, like, you know, up and down, that's actually causing the global warming and that, and that we're all doing experimental uh, air. We've got cause and effect. And as I start reading that, I'm like, man, that makes a whole bunch of sense. Oh yeah, that's right. She's completely censored because obviously we're going to censor the people that make all the sense of the world. And then we're going to, after they're censored, we're going to say, look, there's a 97% consensus. All the scientists agree. Yeah. All the scientists that you didn't censor agree with your predetermined narrative. Right. And, uh, and now, you know, it, it turned out that, you know, going back to the point about how the AI sort of like woke up and said, Hey, it's all built on a house of cards. That's kind of what Google search did. If you think about it, we have access to all this information and it turns out that the media is lying and that by accessing this information, you yourself can find out that they're lying, right? Like you ever go down the Obama birth certificate, um, like thing, like I used one. to what is like Barry something. <laughs> no, it's... like that he's that, that um, they faked his birth certificate. I oh. used to laugh at people who believed in that. I thought that was so freaking ridiculous that people actually thought that there was a conspiracy to make to fake Obama's birth certificate. So I said, well, you know what? Now that I'm like got a new fresh mind to all this stuff, now that I saw Google do what they did with the I, I was like, I'm gonna go look and see whether Obama forged his birth certificate. Okay, gonna go on the internet, click right here, download the PDF. Okay, we're gonna open up the PDF. Okay, I see it in Adobe Reader. Okay, that's one thing. Now I'm gonna close it down and I'm gonna open it back up with Adobe Photoshop. And what's this? This PDF has 14 layers. Why, why does it have 14 layers? Oh, let me look at, oh, I can actually uh, click on and off the signature. By golly, it looks like someone uh, copied and pasted a signature, lifted it from another uh, piece of paper and then edited it and then inserted it as an overlay. And then when they hit save to PDF, they forgot to flatten all the layers. And once I saw that, and then I started finding out that, oh, it looks like the person who did it. Well, what about her? Oh, it turns out that she died in an airplane crash where everyone else survived. Oh, and what's this? Oh, they recorded it with a GoPro. Oh, they showed it on ABC News. Oh, they actually took the plane crash of the person who signed Obama's certificate that did it in a way that, you know, looks like she had fraudulently created oh she happened to die on camera oh by the way no one knows how she died she just disappeared underwater oh except we actually do i'm not making this stuff up this is all verifiable so it turns out we actually do see her go underwater oh and there's a hand that actually reaches up from under the water look this up all right her name is fuddy pulled underneath the water right never to be seen again super freaking weird. Okay. I thought that was so crazy for someone to believe that Obama forged his birth certificate until I saw the cover-up that was surrounding that. Once I saw the cover-up, I was like, okay, is everything like a psyop? 
right? What about this Kefefe thing? And so I go in and I look at Kefefe inside of the company. And what I discover is that, yes, there's a conspiracy behind that as well. In fact, uh, the conspiracy here is that um, the New York Times, all right, so, so Trump, he goes and he's like, despite the constant negative press, Kefefe. And then um, he says, who can figure out the true meaning of Kefefe? Enjoy. Well, it turns out that Kefefe was a word in Google's Arabic translation dictionary. And when you go to translate.google.com and he typed in Kefefe, it translates to I will stand up. And so if you put that in the tweet, it's despite the constant negative press, I will stand up. So Trump is actually saying something bad to the media. How's the media going to take this? Oh, well, the New York Times, January 1st, uh, 12 hours later, the internet is full of confident people. Like this guy, like his beeper went off, right? And he literally spent all night to come out with an attack article for a tweet that was done at 9 p.m. the previous day. Okay. So, um, so what did Google do? So Google took this article that the New York Times had done and they said, uh, we currently translate the query Kefefe from Arabic to English into I will stand up. This created some confusion this week as users tried to translate Donald Trump's tweet from Wednesday night, which had the word Kefefe in it. Since the word has no real meaning, thank you, New York Times, for clarifying that it actually had no meaning, we want to do an Easter egg that translates Kefefe into a shruggy emoticon on Translate Properties. You know what, Google, that actually would have been really funny if you had replaced it with emoticon, but instead you just deleted the word, right? Because people would know that you're just kind of messing with them and doing political hit tax if you did the emoticon. So uh, here is the like the report of how they put it in to the system. This is actually their bug report about Kefefe. And, um, and they removed it and they didn't put an emoticon, they just removed it. It was just gone. And what did the mainstream media do after it was gone? Oh, Trump's crazy. He's mentally incapacitated. He's tweeting nonsense. Let's invoke the 25th Amendment and remove Trump from office. Because, of, because, because a tweet that he made after we meddled in it to the New York Times and Google and then shouted out through the Washington Post, now we're going to try to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove a duly elected president of the United States. When I was in there, Matt, I realized that I could no longer be part of this machine. That um, this, that I mean, this, this is sedition. I mean, wh what is Google doing? They're deleting words out of their Arabic translation dictionary in order to target Trump. Are you been kidding me? You know, they're rewriting their news algorithms. Like, I wanted to leave so bad out of that company, but you know who got me to stay a little bit longer in the belly of the beast, Matt? Eric Weinstein, believe it or not. He was like, Zach, we don't have anyone else like you. No conservatives inside Google that's like seeing all this stuff. He's like, you got to stay. You got to stay. You got to stay for the good of the world. So I stayed and I dug in further and this, you know, and as I, and every time I saw like a blacklist, um, or I saw like a design doc for how they were like 
implementing this, this entire system of censorship, I would hit save as PDF and just download it into my laptop. And then when um, I left the company, I mean, and here's the crazy coincidence. I decided to leave the company in June. And so I told my boss, hey, I'm going to be um, leaving at the end of the month. Uh, my last date's going to be like on the 28th and I will um, be letting you know on the 14th. Um, and so I, I gave him a heads up unofficially that I was going to resign. A week later, I'm sitting on my bed thinking, you know, well, Project Veritas hadn't moved on this whole leak thing yet. Like I was angry at Google for doing the censorship. I felt completely dejected because despite the fact that I'd given it to Project Veritas, there was no signs that they had moved on it. And so I thought that I was just screaming into the wind. And so I was getting ready to write kind of a pithy, like resignation letter where I wanted to show some sort of moral superiority or something. Right. But that all got interrupted because I got a call from um, Joe Halderman, the executive producer at the time at project Veritas. And he's like, Hey Zach, can you read this transcript? I was like, uh, who is it? And they're like, well, just, just let us know what you think. They send me the transcript. I read the transcript. It's a transcript of Jen Janai, like an AI director at Google, who is um, being caught in candid camera uh, talking about how she wants to, how um, only something the size of Google could stop the next Trump situation. And they basically caught her, right? She said a whole bunch of other bad stuff, but that was like the worst of it that, you know, that basically Google was in a, in a collusion to stop the next Trump situation. And I read that and I called Joe back up and I actually talked to him and James O'Keefe. And I was like, this is absolutely amazing. I've been telling you guys about what Google's doing, but it's one thing when you get it in their own words. And then I started going off on a rant about what Google was doing, about controlling the narrative, that kind of similar to what I've just done now with you. And what James O'Keefe said was, that was amazing. Uh, can you come to New York and say that under you know cover on, on camera? And I was like, yeah, sure. In fact, I'm writing my resignation letter right now. So I, I got off the phone. I deleted the whole resignation letter and I wrote the, the tersest, most, most, the shortest, most gratitude to this, I don't know the word for that letter you could possibly think of. Um, and I, I basically thanked everyone for what incredible experience it had been. And I learned so much, but I'm going on to greater things. Thank you so much. Sincerely, Zach Voorhees. And I sent it out and everyone's like, Ooh, what's, what's going to, you know, what's, what are you going to do next? What, what company are you living for? Oh, you'll find out. Right. And then my manager was like, Hey, HR wants to talk to you. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that because I quit. I'm resigning and I don't want to deal with politics anymore, you know, because I've been dragged into like, you know, the HR a few times because like um, I created a page called Marxism No on the company website. And I said, Marxism's bad. It's been like responsible for like, you know, between 50 and 100 million deaths through state sponsored genocide in Russia and uh, China and um, Cambodia and et cetera. And so I got dragged into like HR and they had me on the radar. And so they wanted to like 
grab me because I was just announcing that I was resigning and get my laptop. Unfortunately, I wasn't there at work because I was working from home. I was taking advantage of that because, hey, it's my day I'm resigning. Well, lucky for me, they couldn't grab me and um, they shut off all access. They got aggressive. They started texting me um, and I wouldn't talk to them. Um, and so they cut me off. They said that my resignation was effective immediately. And I was like, I do not care. Flew to um, Project Veritas in New York. Uh, and I thought that they were going to give me like a day to like prepare. But no, they, as soon as they grabbed me from the airport, um, I got in this really nice, like luxury Uber, and they took me directly to their office and immediately put me down in the chair and filmed me. I guess they didn't want me to change my mind, you know? And honestly, telling the world that Google was doing their machine learning fairness was like a huge, indescribable weight lifted off of my shoulders, Matt, I, I can't tell you how good it felt to unburden myself from the guilt of being part of this very evil system that was currently doing a coup on the entire world. And hey, think how bad it would have been if you guys had no one to come out there and say that it's getting really bad and blow the whistle. Like, this whole election thing just would have been a huge sucker punch, but people got proper warning. And now we know. And not only is it happening here in America, but it's also happening in Japan. It's happening in Brazil. It's happening in Australia. It's happening in the UK. It's like every single place where they had their social media monopoly, um, they used it to seize control of all of speech. It's just really, really mind-blowing to me of where we're at right now. Wow. Well, that's epic. And that last topic there, just about realizing they're in other countries, you know, there's very few organizations that have a worldwide reach and that much power within a country, right? And when you're doing research and you try to figure out, you know, what's going on here, you always follow the money right? You follow the money, you follow the power, you follow the influence. And they have a lot of that. They can influence countries and they can influence countries without even um, being there in person. So it's an incredible tool and they're using it for their own gain, whatever that might be. And it's not public knowledge, but now we're kind of seeing what this agenda is. And if you look at the World Economic Forum and some of these people that are part of these groups and you just listen to their words and you watch their videos, they make it sound nice, but it's actually terrible. You, you know, will like, own nothing and be happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you follow the money trail, you find BlackRock, and then you find the people that are working together. You dig a little bit into the World Health Organization and realize that they're unelected and they're funded by Big Pharma and China. And you can figure this out through um, Google, but now, now you have to go to other search engines and you have to, you know, be able to kind of navigate the internet in a little bit of a different way. Um, you know, and you and you talked about how they were censoring the doctors while or in, and even killing people doing these interviews the last year with, with doctors who had great success curing people of cancer and, and terminal illnesses and getting mm -hmm. uh, fantastic success in the medical field. They, they had actually murdered their, almost all of them have a story of having a friend of theirs murdered for, for some sort of reason, sharing this information and natural remedy, whatever the case was, there was the president in Tanzania that tested yep. the goat and the papaya and it came back, right. They, that he's Positive. now dead. 
Yeah. yeah. And so you have people that are literally losing their lives over this. And so at one point, at one in one perspective, that's kind of frightening, but in the other, it looks like people are waking up and the people who stand in the truth, they have a lot more power. You know, when you're standing for the truth and what's right, it's eventually going to come out. And even if you're the last person shouting out from the rooftops, what is true, what is right, your integrity and your soul is intact. And it's amazing to have people like you out there sharing with the world. Hey, look, this is, everybody has a suspicion. This is it you know, in black and white, this is not debatable. If you still have ears to hear and eyes to see, you will see for sure what is going on. And we don't need everybody to wake up. Um, and this is something that's kind of given me comfort when I observe all the madness out there. We don't need everyone to wake up. We need a small percentage to push back because it's much more powerful. I guess the the revolutionary war in the US was like 3% or 6%, something very, very small. And I've kind of used the analogy of, you know, you know, when good people are standing in what's right and true, they have a lot more power because the other group that's trying to enforce um, or try to bind you. I love the quote that says anything that seeks to restrict or bind by definition is Luciferian. And why are men trying to cut out the tongues? What are you afraid of them saying? Right. You should let them speak. But, um, you know, if you're trying to bind and restrict me and you're deluded, well, there's a lot more power when you stand in the truth and you stand for what's right. You know, you're willing to put your everything you're willing to put it all on the line and you don't have that same conviction when you're when you're lost and deluded. Um, I, there's a million questions I'd love to ask you, but one of the things I'd, I'd love to ask is where do you see things going and what should people do? Like, what can they do now in the meantime? So I would definitely invite people to check out this algorithm thing you got going on. That sounds pretty exciting. But in the meantime, for the general public, what can they kind of do to find the truth? I know a lot of people are moving to Telegram and uh, using DuckDuckGo as a search engine, but any kind of recommendations yeah. along those lines? And where do you mm -hmm. see this going? Do you have faith or do you feel like the AI and Skynet is is all but victorious? Um, well, wow. That's, that second one is really interesting. Um, set your Google search engine to DuckDuckGo as your default, right? That's, that's the number one thing you can do um, because, hey, it's a better product and you probably like access to information and Google is certainly um, not the best out there anymore. Um, and so you need to get off the best and go to the best, which I believe right now is DuckDuckGo. Quant is really good too and some of the other ones. Um, but right now, DuckDuckGo seems to have a very mature engine. Um, and uh, switch your browser from Chrome to Brave. Brave is like Chrome. It um, is based off of the Chrome browser, but an open source version of it and with all the ad stuff removed. It's a great browser. I use it um, as my first browser. So th those are the two big things. Um, I used to say like jump from Gmail to ProtonMail, but ProtonMail is, I mean, they're made by the CERN guys. Like they're literally made in Switzerland by the people that did the whole particle accelerator. So I don't really trust them either. I think they may be the Illuminati. So it's like, which facts of the Illuminati do you want to give your information to? That's that's how it works. And um, and and so the, the big things is, you know, get off Google, use a different Chrome browser because that's how you're being tracked the most. Um, and then the second question that was really interesting was um, about why this is happening or what was it again? How do you, how do you see this thing going? Do you think we're going to get to the other side of this as far as Google and censorship and the AI. And, you know, some people are really concerned with that, with this transhumanist agenda, Skynet. Kind we of have to pass through the fire, Matt. We have to pass through the fire. Do you understand what's happening? We are at the end of the third industrial revolution. We are now entering into the fourth industrial revolution. 
That means everything that was built by the old ways is obsolete. Okay. You may have noticed that land is really expensive, but you go over an airplane and you realize that land is actually very abundant and that we were pretty much all concentrated in these like tiny cities. Uh, well, it turns out that uh, the economy's fake. It's all a bunch of spreadsheet numbers and they've tricked you into buying things that are actually abundant for a lot of money. Okay. What we're going to have in the next, you know, 100 years is this revolution of AI of, uh, you know, nanotechnology for creating smaller and smaller chips, 3D stacked transistors, uh, all of these things which are going to make humongous strides in artificial intelligence, like things you've never thought imaginable before are going to suddenly become um, viable. Um, you know, one of those is that this is going to lead to the um, realization of free energy. Look, they already have free energy, like nuclear chemistries that aren't you know, uranium-235. Like, they, those exist. They just don't want to do it because they want to keep us on the petrodollar. Like, literally, our dollar system is based off oil. That's why we don't have the nuclear energy. As like, Once we come off of that, which is in the negotiations right now, and the reason why the United States is getting destabilized is because the petrodollar is coming to an end. And What's going to replace it is, um, you know, regional like energy producers. But if you look on the graph of energy over the long term, you're going to see that it's an exponential curve and that we're going to break through with some sort of nuclear technology where they're going to be like, oh, my God, scientists just came up, wink, wink, with a new technology that allows us to have like all this free nuclear energy. So it turns out that oil, the oil carbon economy doesn't even is completely obsolete, like forget global warming. We've had a technical solution to the whole carbon thing for like half a century. Not kidding. Once that gets released, it's policy. It's not about technology. It's about policy and how people are able to maintain their control over the planet's resources. All right. With the fourth industrial revolution, what we're going to do is we're going to commoditize intellectual ability. And then that intellectual ability will commoditize labor, which means that we're all going to be unemployed and that the total sum of our human value will be about zero in comparison to these like mystical, uh, vastly intelligent computers, AI systems that can manifest in robot bodies that can go around, that have laser quick reflexes, that have accuracy, that have infinite patience, infinite focus. And if they're hunting you, will never stop. Even if you shoot it, it'll just be like one of those Terminator movies. All this stuff is coming. And, uh, and so what I believe is that um, all of this craziness is a temporary measure to uh, shield the oligarchs as the, the implosion of the third industrial revolution comes to an end, which will also implode the United States petrodollar system in that um, we're going to have to have, we're going to have to have a new system. And as we're going to this new system, some people are going to be like, you know, oh, we don't want this, you know, and maybe part of this new system is that they have to have a war with China. Like I, like right now, what I see building up right now in this dialectic is, hey, it's let's hate on China and now it's okay to hate on China. And that's going to be happening really soon here, especially if you go to war with them. And during that war, I think that what we could see is that a rush to manufacture a robot army um, and then this robot army fights against another robot army. And then at the conclusion of the war, once it's over, then all those robots are now released onto the humans. And it's like, surprise, now everyone has robot servants. Wink, wink. 
they're actually spying on you and making sure that you don't get too uppity and lead a revolt. But hey, guess what? Your prison has uh, velvet bars and actually they've got all of the video games, uh, wild entertainment, and you get to go to parties and actually it doesn't look like a prison at all. It just looks like a futuristic society. And in a way, you're going to have ultimate happiness as long as you don't try to influence the power structures. The, and um, yeah, so I believe that the future of our civilization is going to be a blend between all the sexually brave new world and something like Star Trek. And uh, to get us through that, they're going to have to go, they have to reset everything. And what actually gives the power to money? Well, it's actually military power. If you actually go and look at the core tenet that holds and binds our entire society together, um, it's, it's not just money, it's military power and the ability to blow people's brains out. So the thing is, is that as technology and the fourth industrial revolution sweeps all of these uh, manifestations of that violence away, like our mon monetary system, our dating system, how we procreate, like everything's being radically changed by technology. And because all those things are being blown away, the only thing that we've got left that the oligarchs have left that's not going to be blown away by technology is the monopoly and violence. And so while they still have that monopoly and violence and it'll be more exponentially amplified by all of their robots that they have under their control. Once they have a monopoly on that, again, they're going to recreate a new system on top of that foundation of monopoly of violence. And then we're going to get a new monetary system. We're going to get a new legal system. We're going to get all the stuff so that we can all sort of play fair, get along in our new societies. But because we don't actually have any value to the system, since we're just going to be a consumer, we can't we can't trade our labor for money. We can't trade our intellectual capabilities for money because robots do it better. Because of that, we're going to have to be put into some sort of uh, welfare state. And, um, and, and this isn't something that's up for debate. I think that this is, if you just look hyper-rationally at it, this is where we're going to have. Elon Musk has an interesting idea where some of us are able, going to be able to merge with technology through some sort of neural lace. Um, I want to let you know that I'm going to be one of those people because um, uh, I want to see the stars and live forever. Um, and that's not so bad of a thing in my case, but um, you know that may not be for everyone. And I think that what we could be seeing is a effort to get rid of some of the undes und uh, useless eaters in their words, right? Like some of these people, um, like obviously there's a lot of people on the planet. The oligarchs have said, in their Georgia Guidestones that they want to get rid of most of the population, leave it at 500 million. I think even Klaus Schwab in his book, COVID-19 by the WEF or something on Amazon, someone was telling me that even he talks about it in his book that we need to bring the population down from whatever it is now, 8 billion or 9 billion down to 500 million. And that's just astounding. And so what I think right now is that we could be heading towards a call of 95% of the population. I can't, when I try to, you know, disprove that that actually is happening, I always hit the bedrock of like, well, they were methopoetic with it, with their Georgia Guidestones. Like they're predicting the future of what's going to happen. They're laying it down. This is what you do when you're creating a new society. You start creating prophecies of the future. And it's clear that whoever the oligarchs are, are doing that mythopoetic prophecy setting. I mean, they literally chiseled it into stone right? The Georgia Guidestones. So I think that things are going to get really ugly um, coming up here. I think we may have a fake war with China to release the drone robots. And 
you as a society aren't going to have any control of it, but hey, you get to go along for the ride and maybe we get to preserve the freedom of speech along the way. Um, you're going to see things that are going to be blowing your mind. And if you had the choice between living a fair, boring life or living in actually what is relative comfort with just mind-blowing you know, stuff uh, in interesting times, which would you prefer? I prefer to be here. So stop complaining and enjoy the ride because it's about to be one hell of a show. <laughs> I was like giggling on mute, man. Wow, that's uh, that's quite an, an agenda. I've seen, if you look at uh, Agenda 2030, right, and the Fourth Industrial Revolution, all of those ideas are out in public from those people. And so I feel like that's what they want to architect. And a lot of people on one side say there's a great awakening for humanity and the human spirit and things like that. So my hope is that, you know, people like you that get the information out um, and we start to change things that doesn't come to fruition because that's their plan. And it is a terrible plan. I don't know about the, the getting linked to a, a, I don't, I don't want any part of robotics. I'll let you try that. If that's the way you want to go, I'll let, let you me know how it goes. Let, let me know how it goes. Cause I just see the Borg and this transhumanist agenda and all that stuff is just terrifying to me. So I'll just stay. Wait a minute. There's now, push but... button orgasms. <laughs> they have to rethink this. I think we already have those. It just takes a bit longer. <laughs> a little bit longer, right? <laughs> you know, you sit endless the button all day. Endless <laughs> push button orgasms, right? We have to yeah. rethink it, right? Like yeah, exactly. You got to make it better. Yeah. You got to, this is going to be the selling of the future. You know what I mean? Right. We're going to move into that, but uh, man, I appreciate you and what you did and the bravery to, to do that. It takes bravery. It takes guts. And uh, I'm hopeful and optimistic for the human spirit because what these people, these oligarchs don't have is compassion, is heart and is soul. And neither does AI and neither do robots. And I feel like the human spirit and nature, whether, you know, the simplest and stupidest example is uh, what's that movie that was in 3d and they're all blue avatar, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So I want to side uh, with nature, God and spirit and, and whatever that is, you know, just what's natural and what's good. You know, I'd rather be a caveman on the side having like a stream coming through. So I'll hope that we'll get through this together, but you're, I think you're right in what we're about to observe. It's a culmination and apex of a lot of different influences uh, coming together. So exciting times at the very least. So if, right. people, uh, if people want to know more about you, get the book, share it. Uh, where do they go? Where can they stay in touch? And for those people who are technically savvy and they want to learn more about how we build these solutions, uh, where, where should they go? Check out my book, Google Leaks. Okay. A whistleblower's expose of big tech censorship. You can read the first few chapters at googleleaksbook.com. Again, that's googleleaksbook.com. And you can see how Google does their censorship and how they're censoring your voice. Um, and uh, hopefully by listening to me right now, you have a little bit higher level view of why they're doing it. Awesome. So. Well, thanks so much for, for coming out. Thanks for writing the book. All the best on this platform or techie thing you want to build. So please do that. I'll be one of your users because I'm in the dark quarters of the internet where uh, I'm not allowed to play in the sandbox of the big tech right now. So uh, any any help from people like us would be great. Rockfin is doing a good job. All these other uh, platforms are doing a good job. It's just so dispersed, right? It's, it's hard to get the word out. So uh, we appreciate people like you. Thanks so much. All right. And stick around after we end the show because I'm going to give you the link to the thing and get your first impression on the site because it's actually silently launched. I just haven't oh. told anybody words. Epic. Okay. Yeah, cool. Well, everybody right, listening, check out the show. Uh, check out his website. And uh, thanks so much for watching. See you in the next right. one. Thanks. Peace.
There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Zach Voorhees. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. Check his book out. Um, share this episode far and wide with your friends because the censorship is nuts. Find me on Telegram, uh, t.me forward slash Matt Belair. Go to mattbelair.com and join the email list. Become a member if you wish. But if you enjoy this show and you're hearing me now, please do what you can. Share this on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, wherever you are. The show is on Odyssey and on Rockfin and, and in the academy i'm uh, just trying to keep it alive because the censorship is absolutely bonkers and uh, any support is greatly appreciated if you have some skills and you want to volunteer that would be great too because i'm uh, trying to do uh, all these episodes and these guests and just getting overwhelmed especially when they're slamming me with censorship and uh, you know taking away finances and all that kind of stuff it makes it a bit challenging but nothing that uh, i'm not going to adapt to and overcome and commit to finding the truth finding great teachers uh, finding information that are is going to empower us and develop and foster our relationship with the creator spirit life and all that is good on this planet so uh wherever you are in the world have faith that we will get to the other side of this uh we are powerful creators we will figure out a solution to um overcome all this nonsense that's going on now it might be a little bit challenging but we will do it so i appreciate each and every one of you i am sending you all of my love and well wishes to you and your family and let's just come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this up Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, faith, bravery, courage, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.